Good evening. You're listening to WNUR 89.3 FM HD1 Evanston, Chicago. I'm Erica Schmidt, and this is WNUR News at 6. Happy Valentine's Day from me to you. And if you are choosing not to celebrate while you are single, I'm still hoping you are enjoying some chocolate or wearing red for the Cupid's sake. Tonight on this special show, some new goals in ASG coming, a review of sweet of a sweet movie about Lisa Frankenstein, a conversation with singles at Northwestern, and the NUSR to round up this lovely evening. Those stories and more coming up from WNUR News at 6. Before our reporters reveal some romance in their pieces, we should talk about Northwestern's own politics. The results are in. Caleb Sneed and Taishia Woods are your new ASG co-presidents. So who are they and what's next? Jessica Watts has the story. On Sunday, February 11th, the new Associated Student Government co-presidents were announced. Sophomores Taishia Woods and Caleb Sneed won the election with 59.6% of the vote, bringing a 679% increase in voters from last year's record low turnout. Runners-up Nicole Aguilar-Medina and Anna Alava received 36.7% of the vote. Although new to this role, Woods and Sneed are no strangers to ASG. I started as the Quest Plus Senator by chance, really, and from there I just got involved with Senate, and then I really began to understand the inner workings of ASG, and then I really got was drawn to finance. After some time, I was appointed as the Deputy Chair of Finance, then Acting Chair of Finance, and then that was the role I had occupied for a year. So I've been like a student government kid since middle school. So when I came to campus, I was like, let me find the government and let me join it. So the easiest way to do that was through senatorship. So I was a Weinberg senator um, at first. And then within Senate, there was a position called the school senator Wicks. I also have served on the election commission. And then I currently serve as the co-executive officer of justice and inclusion. So um, both in the cabinet and I also run the Justice League committee. While it is clear that Woods and Sneed have plenty of experience to qualify them for the presidential role, why run for higher office? And why run together? We decided to run as co-presidents, one, because of us just working together outside of ASG time are like really, really good friends. Um, and so it was really rare to meet someone who thinks the way that we do, who sees the world the way that we do, who's as committed as we are. Um, so we aligned in that capacity, but also it's really in an ideological sort of alignment as well. Um, we just really enjoyed seeing the, the impact uh, we had on students and their ability to engage in their most authentic capacity. We love the warmth that came from students when they sort of experienced the impact and the work that we contributed ourselves to. So that and expanding that sort of involvement is really, you know, part of why we ran for co-president. Woods and Sneed led a major campaign to get elected to the role, which included meeting with several student organizations in order to gain perspective and knowledge. These meetings led to endorsements from some of Northwestern's largest organizations, such as FMO, Mayfest, and ANO. A key thing for us was developing our platform that directly reflected the student voice. So how you know better to do that than meeting with the students who are in these positions of like leading 
these groups on campus. So that was really important and crucial for us. And then once we met with student groups and like further developed our platform, it was really just like getting that out there, you know, conveying what we're already working on in our current roles, how that translates to this next level of leadership in the co-presidency, really just spreading our message, spreading warmth, and really empowering students to like get more invested in ASG, um, which is, you know, showing them how being invested in ASG gives them agency over their Northwestern experience. Woods and Sneed plan to be open-door resources to all student groups on campus. They especially look forward to centering those that cater to BIPOC and Figley identities. Similarly, the co-presidents plan on making ASG resources more accessible to student groups that may not even know these resources exist for them. What student in the middle of winter quarter is going to sit down and read a 20-page you know, report? So like they were telling us like maybe using the social media more and just integrating like these smaller bite-sized level but like still important and impactful methods of receiving information and like that kind of shifted my perspective of like marketing of ASG as a whole just re really meeting students where they are and bringing it directly to them. The history of black student body presidents at Northwestern dates back to Eva Jefferson Patterson in 1970 with the last black ASG president being in 2022 with junior Jason Hegelmeyer. However, between those years, there were several large gaps between Black ASG presidents. For Sneed and Woods, being elected as co-presidents means being able to represent the voices in the Black community that have gone unheard for too long. One of my best friends, Malik, says that marginality breeds perspective. It really, really speaks volumes. And so um, what it means to be Black as co-presidents is being able to give voice to a lot of the things that often fall through the cracks. Um, and being able to understand the true impact of institutional processes in ways that people within leadership, within administration may not be privy to um, simply because of not holding and not occupying the identities um, in the many ways that they're affected by them. Sneed and Woods will step into the roles as co-presidents during week six of spring quarter. Until then, the co-presidents are emphasizing an open door policy for student groups at Northwestern. Really making sure that we're intentional about like not even just like meeting with student groups, but showing up in spaces, showing that we do like we care about y'all. We want to be in your spaces. We want to know what it's like to be you. For WNUR News, I'm Jessica Watts. Thank you, Jessica. Lisa Frankenstein just entered theaters in time for Valentine's Day. This movie is of the horror comedy genre. Interesting choice during the Red and Pick month of February. Word on the street is that it is pretty bad, but is it bad enough to be good? Max Milo has the story. It is Valentine's Day. In the spirit of love and relationships, I decided to watch a rom-com or romance. Upon arriving at the theater, our options were Anyone But You or Lisa Frankenstein. Frankenstein stars Catherine Newton, who you may know from Freaky or the Ant-Man series, and Cole Sprouse, who you may know from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or The Sweet Life on Deck. A movie about an angsty girl who falls in love with the reanimated corpse of a dead bachelor, Frankenstein seemed like a nice choice. And the trailer was so fun. I tend to his grave. I talked to him. I wish I was with you. That's really weird, Lisa. I was planning on interviewing other moviegoers, but ultimately failed this very simple task. 
Sometimes movies make you pause and think a lot after watching them because of how good they are. This movie instead made me mute for an extended period of time following my viewing experience because of how much I did not enjoy it. I exited the theater in a trance, unable to track down potential interviewees. Lisa Frankenstein opens with The Promise by Win in Rome, a song I absolutely love, and it stays faithful to its 80s theme through both soundtrack and style. Other notable mentions include Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon. And Up the Down Escalator by The Chameleons. Usually, I like campy or so bad that it's good types of movies, but I felt like this one fell flat. I kept waiting for some sort of consistency in genre or humor or outrageousness. It was like Lisa Frankenstein couldn't decide what it wanted to be. But maybe this movie just isn't my type of thing. While Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 50%, the audience score was a solid 82%. Got me thinking about what really makes a movie bad. I definitely have some favorite films that other people probably hate. Most recently, I watched Palm Springs, and I know that's like a really big hit amongst some people. Um, I just think that I didn't really understand it. Um, I wasn't really like, captivated by it. I wasn't really like watching the whole time because it wasn't really like capturing my attention, I guess. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad movie. I just think it wasn't for me. I just don't think I understand why some people might like that movie. Of course, my friend Eden, the first person I ask, says she hates one of my favorite movies. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which I know is a bit controversial. My friend Emily had some divisive opinions as well. There's a lot of gore and like a lot of like shock factors to it. And I was like going into it like thinking, oh, it's a superhero movie. There's gonna be a lot of action because I love action. And But it was just a lot of, ooh. But... And now we're getting into interesting territory. You can still love a bad movie. The Zoolander was a work of art. Not really. It was horrible. But it was good, though. I liked it. It was really bad to the point that it was good. And there was, like, two jokes and the plot made no sense. But it was good. I liked it. As Ryan says, a multitude of factors can affect one's enjoyment of a film. Chloe and Emily agree. I think that the people that you watch movies with and comment movies, like comment on movies with, are people that make the movie better. So who you're watching a movie with adds to the experience and takes a really terrible movie into a good one. I don't watch that many movies. And when I do, most of the time I like enjoy it. I don't ever really think, oh, that was a bad movie. I'm horrible as a movie critic because any movie that was entertaining to me, I just count as a good movie. Thinking back on my initial reaction to Lisa Frankenstein, maybe the issue was just the conditions of when I watched the movie. Maybe I'd have liked it better if there were more people in the theater. Maybe I was tired that day or wore the wrong shirt. It's probably not that specific, but enough people liked the movie for it to have an audience rating of 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. So maybe I was wrong. 
Maybe you will love Lisa Frankenstein. You just have to figure out if it's bad enough to be good for you. For WNUR News, I'm Max Milo. For those not in a relationship, Valentine's Day can be a difficult time. Paul O'Connor sat down with several single Northwestern students to learn how they might grapple with feeling loveless on the most romantic night of the year. I went into the marriage pact. I missed it last year because no one told me and everyone acted like you were supposed to know. I was excited to finally find love in this godforsaken campus. And I matched with someone. She seemed nice. And so I followed her and then that was it. We never talked. Freshman year, I requested to follow my marriage pact on Instagram. I looked through his page and unfortunately, I was not interested. So I did unfollow and remove him. I followed my marriage pact on Instagram, and he followed me, and then we never talked. Mine was gay. Today, it's Valentine's Day. For couples, it's a chance to spend some quality time together and maybe even post about it on social media. For everyone else, it's a different story. To be honest, I probably will not be going through people's Instagram stories tomorrow just because I don't need that. I don't need that energy in my life. And I don't like mine seeing like heart decor. You know, I just don't want to hear about your like uh, relationship of eight years. It can be difficult to avoid thinking about one's own singleness during Valentine's Day. It can be equally difficult to avoid comparing oneself to those in relationships. It's like a sort of what's wrong with me kind of vibe or like what am I doing wrong, I guess. Yesterday, I spoke to a group of Northwestern second years about dating and searching for companionship in college. From marriage packs to dating apps, it's clear that options for finding love in college aren't necessarily as clear-cut as they may seem. I asked first about how their expectations about relationships had changed since coming to Northwestern. Coming into Northwestern, like, I didn't think I'd find love of my life, but I thought I'd would find someone. Two years in, that hasn't happened. I still have hope that maybe in like the next like two years I'll find someone eventually. I'm just assuming I'm gonna jump from like complicated thing to complicated thing. I came into Northwestern with a boyfriend, so I definitely didn't expect to find the love of my life here. But now, entering sophomore year, single, it's been definitely a very different experience. I'm kind of just also meeting people, just having experiences, not trying to like take things, take myself too seriously. I asked next about how dating culture was different in college compared to what they were used to in high school. I feel like there really is no even like dating culture in Northwestern. I feel like the deepest and longest relationships I've seen last like a month and a half. I think it's different than in high school because I feel like in high school people were in relationships more rather than like situationships. I mean, I went to a pretty small high school. I think there was like 140 in my graduating class. I feel like Northwestern's kind of small and I run into people that I've gone on dates with kind of all the time. So in that way, it can be kind of difficult if you just have something casual with someone and then it like kind of ends. It can be a little awkward and weird. Everything was new and it's tough to grapple with that when you're dealing with adults and people who tend to have a lot of traumas and different issues that you have to navigate. It would be hard if you were looking for something pretty serious because I think the vast majority of people probably aren't in that stage right now. And it's a lot of just casual on and off things. I asked about their experiences on dating apps at Northwestern and in what ways they were or were fulfilling. 
So for me, I first downloaded Hinge after I got out of a fairly longish situationship. At first, realizing that other people did want me in some capacity actually did help me a lot and it helped me get over this feeling of rejection. But over time, it started not feeling as good, especially because I feel like they're not always super transparent about what they're looking for until... Like, you meet them in real life. You definitely have to be very, one, like, assured in yourself and not feel super sensitive to other people's perception of you. And then, two, you kind of just need to have low expectations. And finally, I asked them what advice they would give to themselves as freshmen or younger students just starting out with dating in college. You know, dating is just a part of life and just to take it as you take anything else and not like look super deep into things or get super worked up about something and just take it as it goes. Maybe just let yourself feel like I feel like you kind of have to cry. Just have fun with it. Even no matter what happens, just try to have a good time and learn from it. Just know what you want is the biggest thing. Know what you want for yourself, um, for a relationship, whether that's something casual, something serious. Know what you want and have the courage to step away from something if it isn't what you want. I feel like it's really easy to, if you care about someone, believe that you owe it to them to stay with them. Don't let anyone treat you like less than you deserve. Being single, it can be difficult not to feel loveless on Valentine's Day. But it's important to remember that romantic love isn't the only type of love that exists. For WNUR News, I'm Paul O'Connor. The Cats have had lots of success this past weekend, from men's basketball to softball to fencing. Sarah Thornton has the story. Hi, I'm Sarah Thornton. Here's your NU Sports Report for this week. This past Sunday afternoon, Northwestern men's basketball defeated Penn State 68-63 in the Welsh Ryan Arena. The Cats have moved into third place in the Big Ten Conference standings. Brooks Barnheiser led the Cats with nine first-half points and a total of 14 points and four steals. Nick Martinelli made his first career start with a career-high eight rebounds. Bubui led the Cats in scoring with 15 points and six assists. The Cats play next this Thursday at 5.30 against Rutgers. This past weekend, number 25 Northwestern Softball opened up their season, winning four straight games to finish the weekend with a 4-1 record at the Kajakawa Classic. After initially falling 4-3 to the Boise State Broncos in their season opener, the Cats came back with a 2-0 win at Arizona State on Friday. They won 3-2 to Weber State on Saturday, followed by an 11-1 run rule victory over St. Thomas, and finished off with an 8-0 run rule win over Rubber State. Returning starter Angela Zedek led the team with 10 hits and a .625 batting average. The talented fifth-year hit a solo home run in the Cats' 2-0 win against Arizona State on Friday and went on to hit a go-ahead two-run homer in the fifth inning in a 3-2 win over Weber State. Zedek posted a career-high four hits in back-to-back games to help the Wildcats in their last two victories. Grad student Ashley Miller made her debut last Friday against Arizona State as she tossed a complete game four-hit shutout with 11 strikeouts against the Sun Devils. After a 3-2 lead against Weber State on Saturday, 
Miller struck out five of the seven batters she faced in a row to secure her fifth career save. The Cats play again this Friday in Clearwater, Florida against number 12 LSU. Meanwhile, number 8 Northwestern Fencing secured four victories in Chapel Hill, North Carolina this past weekend. In their head-to-head -head duels, the Cats started off hot with a 7-2 win against number 9 Temple, followed by a clean sweep against number 15 NYU, a narrow 14-13 win against North Carolina, and finally a dramatic 23-4 victory against LIU. Don't miss this weekend's USA Fencing Junior Olympics in Charlotte, North Carolina. That wraps up your NU Sports Report for this week. For more information about upcoming games, as well as how you can watch the Wildcats live, visit www.nusports.com. I'm Sarah Thornton, WNUR News. Now, for a brief look at the forecast. For those of you going out for the night, expect a low 40s evening with clear skies. But tomorrow, grab a raincoat because light rain showers are expected throughout the morning. The afternoon will clear up while the high is 43 and the low is at 28. And for Friday, it's a partly sunny day ahead of us. The high at 35 and the low at 20. Now, taking a look into the headlines in Evanston, Chicagoland, and across the nation and globe. Today is both Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, which marks the first day of Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter. This hasn't happened since 2018 and won't happen again for another five years in 2029. Catholics who observe Lent often refrain from eating meat on Fridays and on Ash Wednesday, so couples might have to find different ways to celebrate. Tonight, the Northwestern women's basketball team will face Purdue in Welsh Ryan Arena. They will sport pink and white jerseys to celebrate female survivors, thrivers, and warriors against cancer. If you stop by the dining halls on campus, they will be baking up some special Valentine's Day treats to celebrate this special day. Because it is also NU's Dining's Joyful Delight Week, there will be events and giveaways until the end of the week. In Evanston, Robert Crown is going solar. At their meeting on Monday night, the Evanston City Council approved a plan that would involve installing solar panels onto the roofs of the community center. This is all a part of a shift towards using more clean, renewable energy in the city. To celebrate Singles Awareness Day, I mean Valentine's Day, many Evanston stores are running special deals on all of the necessities, including chocolate, pastries, cakes, and gifts, as well as deals at restaurants if you're looking to take your special someone on a special date. Downtown Evanston will host a Love Local Chocolate Crawl tomorrow, Thursday, February 15th, that will give Evanston residents the opportunity to enjoy treats and sweet deals at local businesses from bookends and beginnings to crossroads trading to Kilwins to even benefit cosmetics. And lastly, some more serious news. Special Counsel Jack Smith on Wednesday asked the Supreme Court to reject an emergency application filed by Donald Trump that sought to further delay the former president's criminal trial arising from efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Smith filed his response to Trump's request six days ahead of the deadline imposed by the court. 
The former president wants more time to litigate his claim that the federal indictment should be dismissed on the grounds of presidential immunity. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on X at WNUR News and Instagram at WNUR News 89.3. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNURnews.org. That's WNURnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Georgia Kerrigan, and our reporters are Jessica Watts, Max Milo, Paul O'Connor, and Sarah Thornton. I'm Erica Schmidt. Have a lovely Valentine's evening and catch our next newscast on Friday, February 16th at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming.